Welcome in to the Prep Baseball Report California podcast. I am your host, Les Lukach. I am once again joined by SoCal Area Scout Steve Doherty. Doe, battled some rain this weekend. Looks like there's more on the way. This 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 weather, man. I mean, what's going on, man? It's crushing us. I don't know. Got back from Chicago from the polar vortex, and uh, looks like a fall was here, but the sun's starting to shine through, and hopefully we can get back out to the yard. Yeah, no doubt. So we did get out to the yard last week. You and I did. We got out to Santa Margarita for their inaugural scout day. Um, and Coach Malik and his staff had us out. And, you know, we it was awesome, right? I mean, it was a great event. There was it was basically a Santa Margarita practice, uh, you know, where players ran through uh, some batting practice some base running stuff. They did some defensive workout, but then it culminated in an inter-squad scrimmage, uh, gave us an opportunity to see the depth of their roster. I mean, they've got some pretty talented players there in the next few classes, wouldn't you say? Oh, they certainly do. And, you know, another opportunity to to actually just get out there and meet the kids, shake some hands, introduce yourself, and just know that we're out there and uh, supporting them. And it was just a great day, honestly. Yeah, so we put out a post on it with some quick hits that had some some stats and some numbers here. We put that out yesterday. Uh, it had some notes on about 10 guys. You and I are going to discuss just a couple of those guys here. Uh, so be sure to check out prepbaseballreport.com uh, slash California. You can head up to the CIF News button there, and you can find all of our scout blog information there. Uh, but you know, I want to talk about a guy that uh, I had heard about uh, but hadn't seen quite yet, and that's a 2021 outfielder, left-handed pitcher, Colby Wallace. I mean, this guy is just like a freak athlete, right? I mean, 6'4", 195. You know, we saw him during VP, and he was, you know, driving balls into the gaps uh, from the left side. You know, and then he ran a 4-2-5 home to first, and you're just kind of like, holy smokes, what's going on here, right? And, and then he hops on the bump, and, you know, he's eight, touched 85, living 83, 84 with some life on it, and, you know, but then he – then he snaps off this biting curveball. This is just, you know, sharp downer shaped curveball. And I mean, 73, 74. And you and I were talking about him though, because he's kind of, you know, kind of stabs it a little bit, a little bit of a pie thrower, as you said. And, and, uh, but man, it, it was pretty good. Wouldn't you say? No, hundred percent. You know, you, you get out there and you don't necessarily expect to see, you know, guys, you, you have guys like the Tolentinos you keep your eyes on, but this is a great opportunity. The scout days for just, you know, picking up on guys that you just, you know, surprise you. And so, you know, we see this guy and he just, uh, now he's on the map for us. Yeah, no doubt. And, and, and one guy that really impressed us just from a physical standpoint, Johnny Gianola, right? Absolutely. This is a 2020 guy, third base, Six feet, two, 205 pounds, an, an uncommitted guy. And this is someone that we've seen for a couple years less. Uh, I, I've seen him a whole bunch uh, and uh, faced Cole Wynn last year. He faced Kyle Luckham, and he was a sophomore taking some pretty quality at-bats against some of these guys. I know I did a report on him uh, be, before, and it looks like he's made uh, some commitments to to clean up his body and, and being more physical and it looks like he's a little more you know agile on his feet and so um i've seen i've seen him in, in the summertime he was playing for the new york yankee scout team and it just looks like he's made a commitment to his body and uh, this is going to be a guy that will probably be scooped up here pretty soon but 
Um, maybe he's grown a few inches. I don't know, but he's definitely trimmed up and, and he's cleaned some stuff up and he's going to be a really key part for the Eagles this year going forward. Yeah, he's always had a little juice in the bat, but now it's a little more consistent, right? I mean, it just, you, you know, you drop some weight and you add some mat, some strength and, 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 you know, good things are going to happen. I mean, gosh, we had him at four, two, eight down home to first. And I mean, that, that there was no way he was anywhere near that last year. So he's made a commitment to his overall game, which is pretty exciting. Jake Carroll is a 2019 outfielder. I mean, he had one of the best, in my opinion, best overall rounds of BP on the day. Big, physical, strong outfielder, you know, drives the ball to all fields. Uh, you know, everything's on the line, uh, you know, and, and it was so the players went through three rounds of BP. So we got quite a, you know, quite an extended look at them uh, during the BP. I mean, there's there's a whole lot of balance. I mean, just from the setup through the swing, through the finish. You know, the upper body is strong. He's got quick hands. Uh, you know, he's average runner at 475. You know, pretty good outfield arm, though. But, you know, 2019 outfielder Jake Carroll, here's a guy that, that has, again, some tools that will play on the next level. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, he's he's the guy who Coach Malik told us is, was also a heck of a football player, too. So you can see those skill sets translate to the diamond. Uh, you know, but one other guy that really caught our attention, you know, it was a, uh, a sophomore there, a catcher, Zach Crandall. Yeah, the next the next guy we're talking about, and just just as you alluded to, Carol, who you know kind of caught your eye during the BP round, and I I gave you a look when Zach Crandall stepped in and and started peppering balls the other way, and just had this plan um, in in the box. It was just really impressive. I, I know you know there's a lot of energy going on. The kids know that we're there. We're standing around with cameras and and watching and evaluating, and and this this kid just you know, had loose hands. He, he wasn't really trying too hard. He kind of had the all fields approach. And it was just one of those impressive, you know, three rounds ago. Wow. Like this kid, this kid can hit. And of course, you know, what happens in the, in the game when they get over to their inner squad is it to transfers into the game. It's a laser to the opposite way. And, um, so I talked to, you know, one of the assistant coaches, Wade Jackson over there. And he just, he said, he really is impressed with what Crandall is doing. And, Needs to gain a little bit more strength. There's a pretty good, healthy competition going on over there. You know, the senior Derek Wilson, he's going to be starting, but you got the same uh, guy, Jack Collins, in the same class as Crandall, 2021 guy, who who also compete for the same position. So it's a really good, healthy competition over there for the catching spot. And Zach Crandall stood out for me in the round, and uh, really impressed. Yeah, I, I, you did flash me a look. <laughs> I think it was probably on his second swing, and I flashed you that same look right back. And you know, I immediately went over to talk to Coach Malik about it. And yeah, he's pretty he's pretty impressed with what Crandall brings to the table. You know, there's 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 some juice there in the bat, and like you said, his approach was just so consistent, and it was so easy. He was so loose at the plate, and it was just awesome to see that from a sophomore, right? Like you don't we don't get to see that a whole lot and those are generally the guys when we do see it that you know as a senior you're talking about you know high high level commitments and and potentially uh, uh draft prospects so you know that that puts a wrap on the santa margarita scout day and that ends segment one for us we will be right back with segment two to recap the opening weekend of games
Welcome back. We're going to head right into the recap of the opening weekend of games. CIF Southern section got going last Saturday uh, on the 9th there. Uh, well, most of CIF Southern section got going last Saturday. The rain just causing havoc here in Southern California forced the cancellation of a lot of games. Uh, I was able to get out to one of the, the I guess, premier doubleheaders, if you will, uh, and that was involving La Mirada went on the road. La Mirada, the number two team in the state in our Power 25 rankings, went on the road to face uh, a very good, very good Servite team uh, at their place. Servite had the tarp on the field for about five days, allowing the field to be playable. Uh, and, you know, right out the gate, we, we got Jared Jones, the number two player uh, overall in the nation in the 2020 class and number one player in the PBR California class of 2020 rankings. Uh, you know, he, he was electric from the outset, man. Uh, Doe, this guy, you know, we've seen him a bunch, obviously, but you know, he worked 92, 94, touched 95 with the fastball. But it was his slider, man. His slider at 81, 83 was just dirty. And he threw that as an out pitch. Uh, I want to say he got five, five of his 11 strikeouts came on the slider at 81, 83. Um, you know, he didn't walk anybody, didn't give up a hit. He was on a strict pitch count, so Coach Zern pulled him uh, after five. I think he went like 65 to 70 pitches, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, but Coach Zern, you know, obviously understands that, that Jared's got a future here and, and, and didn't want to extend him here in his first outing. Uh, you know, Servite, though, in my opinion, has got two really, really quality freshmen. Uh, Chris Grotus is a 22 left-handed pitcher. He went CG in game two, struck out eight, walked one, uh, 21 of 28 first pitch strikes. I mean, it was really, really impressive. You know, I don't think he threw a pitch over 81. Uh, and, and, you know, he's got this this kind of late-breaking slurvy curveball, and, you know, he's just all legs. I mean, he, he, this guy's legs finish at the middle of his chest, it seems like. You know, he's like six foot, six foot one, just a really, really impressive. And then the other freshman they've got is Trevor Schmidt. You know, in the first game, he goes up and he's facing Jared Jones in the second inning and Jones starts him off with 95 on the outer half. And it's like this freshman Trevor Schmidt has been there before and, you know, he's seen it all. And uh, he was just one of the better, better at bats against Jones in the game. And he, he ended up earning a five pitch walk. So really impressed with that guy. You know, Dominic Martinez is a, is a junior infielder, uh, uncommitted for La Mirada. This is a guy who, in my opinion, should have an opportunity to play baseball collegiately on some level. Uh, was two for three in the first game. Just shows a really good, consistent approach at the plate. You know, defensively, he really gets it. Uh, he knows where to be in the arm plays on the right side. I would love to see him play short uh, at some point. But uh, with Jimmy Bloomberg, I don't know that that's going to happen. Uh, and then the last guy, Mikey Santos, is a 21 third baseman uh, for Servite. He's a transfer in from Pacifica. You know, Dwayne Page, who we both know, uh, told me about him in, in the fall. And, and you know, he's kind of lived up to it here in the early parts of, of the season, you know, through the fall. And, and obviously, this is his first weekend. Really strong defender, above average arm, really good understanding of the strike zone. Just really consistent approach. Uh, Servite, you know, they pulled it off, though. I mean, they got they swept the uh, the doubleheader there, one of them in walk-off fashion, a single by Mikey Santos in game one. Uh, and then the second one, uh, you know, it, it, they got the uh, late run there to win the game. 
and and give Grotus his first win. But heading over to Etiwanda, Etiwanda took on uh, Los Altos in their opening game. Uh, Doe, you want to talk about that one? Yeah, you know, Etiwanda comes into the season, uh, you know, in the PBR ranks and think just inside the top 25 or power 25. And, you know, I, th- these guys are a dangerous team less, and I think they're playing with a little chip on their shoulder. And I think there's no doubt that these guys will will start climbing up our rankings. But, you know, they they ran over um, Alta Loma, I, I believe it was, uh, on 15 runs on 19 hits. Uh, you had Marcus Johnson taking the bump there, the Duke commit, our number 21 in the rankings in, in the state of California. And, you know, he went five innings, 82 pitches, seven, seven strikeouts and, and just three hits. And so he, he was filling it up with the 82 pitches, 50 of them were strikes. So that's a 63% ratio there. Um, so, you know, he's, he's throwing strikes. And when he's efficient, I think when he goes, the rest of them go. And he was followed up by Josh Sandoval and went two innings, four K's. And so these guys, you know, if this, if this snowball starts rolling downhill, watch out because they're a real dangerous team. I mean, let, let's do a quick recap here of some of the offense, you know, led by Cody Freeman, the Baylor commit, our number 22 player ranked player in the state. Um, and one of my, you know, top defenders in the state for sure. Really love what he's doing. He goes two hits. Uh, Del Negro goes three hits. Holman, another guy that I've talked about, uh, the catcher, the uncommitted guy, number nine um, in his class for PBR. He gets two hits. Max Clarks gets two hits with the home run. Mejia, three hits. Um, the other other Mejia, Ricky, he goes two hits. So these guys were in midseason form, uh, first game of the season. So I, I think they really are playing with a chip on their shoulder and they just um, are throwing strikes. And, you know, with that one, two, three combo of Marcus Johnson, Matt Bardwell and Ezra Lyman, and now, you know, Josh Sandoval, who can mix in there too, they're, they're going to be really dangerous going forward. And in a three game, you know, week type of format, um, that they're going to this year, that that's, that's really tough to get, to get hits. I mean, Johnson, Bardwell, Lyman, it, it doesn't get any tougher than that. So, um, wow. What a good start for those guys. Yeah, and then you talked about the offense. The offense is just, I mean, one of the best, right? I mean, and and, and the table setter there being Freeman, that guy, uh, I know you're a big fan. I'm a huge fan of Cody Freeman's, and, you know, I think he's one of, I think he's one of the best shortstops in his class in the state, no question, uh, you know, and you talk about, how many hits they pounded out. I mean, that, that, that's, they, they got a week's worth of hits in one game. Uh, and, and it's probably, it's probably a good deal because they may not be playing thanks to this weather, uh, you know, much more here this week. Uh, but a couple others, uh, you know, standout performances that this weekend, you know, Pete Crow Armstrong, the number two player in the, in the 2020 class here in the state. Yeah. All he did was go three for four with, a, you know, he was a single shy of the cycle, uh, you, you know, second pitch of the game, he hits a bomb. Uh, you, you know, that guy is just PCA as, as, as we all refer to him. I mean, he's, there's a reason why we have him ranked so highly and why he's so well thought of. And, uh, you, you know, he's off to a really good start, but, but in my opinion, the best performance of the weekend goes to, uh, the, the young man out of South Hills high school, 
Jalon Fong is a 19 left-handed pitcher. Uh, and if you don't know Jalon's story, uh, it's really something that'll give you goosebumps. Uh, he has overcome and battled and overcome uh, leukemia twice. Uh, he threw six innings, 51 pitches, 43 of them were for strikes. He had 20 of 22 first pitch strikes, didn't walk anybody. Uh, here's a guy who, you know, we, we both know uh, 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 his pitching coach pretty well, Steve Dye. And, and you know, I, I talked to Steve on Saturday night and, you know, he, he just told me kind of the background on Jalon in terms of his desire to want to pitch and, and how he shows up at 7 a.m. to to, to bullpen sessions ready to go and you know we had him out at the senior games uh, last fall and just a, an incredible kid uh, who no doubt whether it be in baseball or, or just in life is going to be successful uh, you know you don't overcome the things that, that he's overcome and keep the kind of attitude and composure about it that he has kept uh, and, and not be successful so Jalon Fong, the left-handed pitcher out of South Hills High School, tip of the cap to you for that impressive performance uh, and, and just for being who you are. Uh, so that's going to wrap up segment two for us. We will be back with segment three. It'll be uh, the inside the dugout where we have a special guest host uh, today. It'll be uh, head coach Jimmy Zern from La Mirada High School. After that, uh, Doherty and I will be back taking your questions. Welcome back. We're going to take you inside the dugout here with head coach Jimmy Zern at La Mirada High School. Jimmy, it's a treat to have you on board with us today. Welcome aboard. Thanks for thanks for being here. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right, buddy. Just uh, and finally enjoying some clear skies and sunshine. Got my uh, got my coffee on the front porch doing this. So shout out to the shooter and those guys for coffee and curveball. <laughs> awesome awesome well jimmy you're you're in your 16th year at la mirada you know 11 of those as an assistant uh fifth year as the head coach there you know you played there um you know what makes la mirada special i know what it is from an outsider right i go to your games quite a bit and the crowd's always in it they're always gracious they're always really nice they're i mean it's always a big crowd they're into the games they they understand the game of baseball and what you're doing as a head coach but what is it about la mirada that that really makes it different from a lot of other you know public schools around well you know obviously getting to play in the program, um, you know, I was born and raised in La Mirada and, you know, was, was fortunate enough to, to go to La Mirada and, and had a great success in terms of not only as an individual, but, but more of a team standpoint. And that's, and that's still, you know, what we try and preach on a daily basis and, and, and give, give it back to, I mean, we're a, a kind of a small community and, uh, you know, from the local little leagues to the, to the, to the pony, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a really neat, my kids play in it. Um, you know, and, and from a, from a high school standpoint, you know, it's, it's pretty special when, you know, pretty much every game, you know, our fans show up and travel, they're, uh, you know, decked out in their gear and, uh, you know, they're always there supporting and it, and it makes, you know, even playing on the road, you know, kind of feel like a home game, which is, which is really, really cool. Um, yeah you know, the players over time that continuously just come back and want to be a part, whether it be college guys in their off season or just, 
you know, we have, we have coaches in our program. Like my freshman head coach is one of my best friends that played with me and graduated with me in high school, La Mirada. My, my father's our assistant freshman coach. My, my brother's a coach, you know, my, my, you know, on our staff at the, at the varsity, we got coaches that played there. And it's just, that's kind of that, that extra special thing to where that I think makes a huge difference. Yeah, no doubt. You talked about the crowds and, and yeah, I mean, the crowds, I've, I've seen you guys play on the road and, and I've seen you guys play at home and it's, it's tough to tell the difference, you know, where the game is played. That's, that's no question. So let, let's talk about the 2019 season. Uh, you know, obviously you guys come in, we at prep baseball report, California, have you ranked number two in the state uh, for obvious reasons. I mean, there's talent up and down the roster, but with that, you know, obviously comes expectations, you know, success breeds expectations. You guys have, have been on quite a run here the last gosh, I mean, six, seven years. I mean, even going back to when coach Brooks was at the helm uh, there towards the end of his tenure, uh, you know, what, how do you deal with those expectations? How do you present those expectations to your players? You know, many of whom uh, have played on, you know, a national level, quite honestly. Uh, but for those guys that, that really haven't done that, you know, how do you how do you handle those expectations or present what those expectations can do and shouldn't do to them? Well, the the expectations are instilled, you know, from day one. And, and to be honest with you, less it starts even before they they get to uh, the high school level. Like, you know, like I mentioned earlier, like our, our La Mirada youth sports is a competitive uh, environment you know from you know like I said the pony the little league they go on we've had you know the little league world series champions you know western regional I mean it's a it's a it's instilled from from day one of the you know the competitive nature of, of long run as a whole and then by the time they get to the high school level um, you know from day one they step on and, and you know we preach you know you know again what it means to play here and, and who we're representing and um, you know, and the expectations just, just don't change. I mean, I mean, obviously you were there Saturday, you know, survive was a, a, a very, very good opponent and, 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 you know, they, they, they played well and, and we dropped two, but the expectations still aren't going to change. Um, you know, we'll get back at it and, and, and get going. Jimmy, we, we talked about some of those players and, and you've got three players who should have an opportunity here in the next couple of drafts to, hear their name called and and a few of them you know pretty high and you know 2019 catcher Darius Perry committed to UCLA and you have your two USC commits in the 20 class and Emilio Morales and 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 Jared Jones and you know when I come to your games you know if I didn't know who these guys were I would never know that these guys are so you know highly thought of just because of the way they interact with coaches and and teammates and uh, and, and things of that nature and, and, you know, parents and fans. I mean, it's really, you know, a treat to watch, you know, what's it been like coaching those sorts of players and what has that done for your program on the back end? Well, it, it's, uh, it's a blessing to have obviously high, highly talented kids and they deserve everything that they're getting. Um, you know, as a coach, they make you look good sometimes because just what they do on the field is, you know, sometimes as a fan, you kind of take a step back and, and, and are like, wow, you know, like, did that really just happen? You know, did he do that? Um, you know, just it's, it's a, it's a special treat when you got guys that, um, are just, just unselfish and, and, uh, you know, put the team above everything. Like I, like we always talk, like, you know, when you put the team stuff first, your individual stuff's just 
doesn't just miraculously comes along for the ride and you're having success. Um, you know, and these guys lay it all out on the line. And when they have the ability to raise, um, other guys games and I've seen it, I think we've got a, you know, a, a really talented deep roster that I, that I like and, and, and guys games rising, um, just in a competitive nature based on how guys like of this caliber bring, um, you know, you see it when they play and, and just the emotion and, and just passion that they play with. And it's, it's infectious to a team. Um, you know, obviously with, you know, them being there and, and, uh, you know, they're getting all the accolades that, that, that they deserve. And, and, and I expect all three of them to be drafted pretty high within the next year or two in their draft class. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy, um, this next, these next two, two years with these guys. And, and, uh, you know, as well as, is, is what hopefully we can accomplish, um, you know, as a group. Yeah. And you talked about, you know, those three guys, but it's not like there's a yeah. big drop off at, you know, when you look at the rest of your roster, cause that's pretty low loaded with, you know, guys like John and Bloomberg and, and DeHaro and, and Sharp and Jung. And I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, you guys, your, your roster, as, as you mentioned, is, is pretty stacked and, you know, that feeds into those expectations. And obviously the, the goal yep. is to be the last man standing, you know, at the end of the CIF season and, you know, holding that trophy, uh, whether it be at, um, you know, Angel Stadium, Dodger Stadium, Cal State Fullerton, wherever they play the game, uh, you know, that's the goal. But, you know, l- let's talk about that a little bit, Jimmy, because you and I have had this discussion about, you know, the CIF playoff format being a, a single elimination. There's, there's, you know, no true state champion uh, in, in our sport. And, you know, you and I have had discussions and, and I've had discussions with other coaches and, you know, it, it, in my opinion, is the hardest championship to win uh, of all the high school sports in the CIF Southern section, just because of the single elimination. And because, you know, you can't really rely on just one guy. Whereas in some other sports, you know, you can get one or two guys, uh, or you can build you can you can build a team through transfers uh, to win you know CIF and state championships, but you just can't do that in baseball. What, what, what's your feeling on kind of the direction of the CIF playoffs? And you know, obviously the season got moved up a bit, but what's your feeling yeah. on on where it's headed? Well, I think uh, the goal for coaches and, and the coaches that you know I talk to a lot is 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 obviously the season getting bumped up two weeks is. And, and, and coincidentally, the rain has put everybody in, in, in a state of, of panic a little bit with, uh, and we're supposed to get more this week. So there's going to be a lot of, um, makeup games, you know, maybe wet, wetter field conditions than, than, than should be You're scrambling for practice time just to get some work in. Um, so things are going to be a little bit behind than where they typically would be. Uh, I think the end goal is to eventually get to a state playoff. Um, you know, it's, it's been discussed and I think our, our sport needs it. Uh, I think it, it, especially in the, in my humble biased opinion, we play the best baseball in the country, um, in Southern California in the single elimination formats tough. It's a, it's, it's, it's a tough grind. You got first place teams playing first place teams in the first round. And, um, you know, the long, the longevity of, of, of where we'd like to see it go is, is, you know, maybe a different structure and, and, and to hopefully get to where we could have a state playoff for our, for our state. Yeah. And I think that's something that eventually, I mean, 
it, it kind of has to happen, right? I mean, we talk to guys across the nation that are in our PBR family, and you know, they're they're just blown away by the fact that you know, a we're starting you know February 9th and B it's a single elimination and and quite possibly the you know the the best the the best uh division of baseball you know some other some other sections have adopted you know an open division where they take uh, you know for example San Diego has you know they take top eight teams and they put them in an open division and there's a loser's bracket and so you can lose a game and still make it to the title is that something you think that could eventually happen in the southern section. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely doable, especially with uh, the season getting moved up. Um, you know, if if you look across, um, you know, other states and the amount of games that are playing, and and I mean, we're we're at a twenty we're at a twenty game limit. But, you know, obviously tournaments count as two, doubleheaders count as one. Um, so you're roughly about thirty games by the time you get to playoffs, give or take. Um, you know, I'd love to see like an open division and maybe a double elimination format, um, you know, because then it, it kind of rewards, a, you know, a depth because we know in a single elimination format, we've been the recipient um, of getting beat by in the past years of, of just ran into a good pitcher that day. Uh, but we've also been on the other end where maybe we beat somebody just on one day that because our guy was on and it's just a double elimination format would really um, – kind of add to the whole feel of okay we lost one but we got we got some depth on in our bullpen or we got some depth on our pitching staff where we can bounce back and and still make a run for the title awesome well jimmy i really really appreciate you taking some time this morning to to chat with us a little bit and you know want to wish you the best of luck the rest of this season your your schedule is a gauntlet (laughs) that's for sure you got some 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 cross-country travel involved as well and you know, I just really appreciate you taking some time to chat with me this morning and, and wish you the best of luck. And uh, thanks for coming inside the dugout with me. Thanks, Les. Appreciate you having me. All right. Welcome back to the PBR California podcast. We are into segment four here. We're going to take some questions from our listeners and followers. We're going to start off right out the gate. This is something we talked to Coach Zern about, and I'm glad uh, Miss LivZ4321 asked this question. Uh, where do you see the CIF Southern Section playoffs going in the future? And, Doe, this is something you and I have talked about quite a bit, and we obviously we talked to coaches about this quite a bit with the single elimination uh format that we're currently in and you know the lack of a state tournament and true state champion uh you know what's your take on it and you know what what would you like to see you know it it, it's hard to say um i i am not in any kind of position to to make things happen at that level but what you like to see is you know when you speak of single elimination game you think of all the hard work it takes to get to that you know, one point in the season, you make the playoffs, you know, whether you go undefeated or you, you lose a few games and, um, and you go into the first round and you lose and you're done and, and it's over just like that. And I just, I just feel like there could be maybe a better format going forward to kind of, you know, keep these teams in it. I just, I, I just not, I'm not so sure if I agree with the single lemon, single elimination game type format last, you know, 
you do know more about this than I do. So, you know, what are your thoughts? Well, I just think, you know, it's it, you touched on it there, right? I mean, there's there's obviously a lot of hard work goes into getting in there and, and, and doing all that stuff. And, uh, you, you know, a lot of teams, uh, you know, we've seen, you know, recently a lot of teams that maybe didn't win their league, you know, make it to the finals and win the finals. So, you know, it's it's tough, right? I, I get it. The southern section is the biggest section in the entire state. So you're talking hundreds of teams, uh, you know, if not, you know, a thousand teams. I, I'm not sure of what the number is, but I know it's in the in the mid hundreds there. So it, it's difficult. What I do like that, you know, the L.A. city section has done. What I like that that San Diego section has done is, you know, they've taken what they consider the top eight teams and they throw them in an open division uh, and and they make it a at least in San Diego uh, what they've done is you know they've created a loser's bracket allowing teams to lose a, a game and and still compete for the championship you know in the finals uh, you know I would love to see the southern section go to that and and my guess is you know nothing happens without a reason behind it right so I would guess that the moving of the season uh, moving it up a couple of weeks is, is to kind of sort that sort of stuff out and make sure on the timing piece that it's still doable you know the CIF championship game this year takes place on May 18th I mean for a lot of kids they still have a month of school left uh, so I think that the moving of the season kind of foretells what's going to happen and and whether it be a uh uh, you, you know, an open division or a double elimination format. You know, I don't know those that sort of insight. What I would like to see is the state association kind of come together and find a way to get a state playoff together uh, so that they can have a state champion, right? I, I mean, we see it in Texas, we see it in Florida, we see it in Georgia, we see it in Mississippi, we see it in a lot of different states where there's a true state champion and it's a result of a two out of three series that that champion has been crowned. Uh, you know, I know you and I talked to, uh, you know, all of our state directors when we were out in Chicago a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, I remember talking to Toby about it and saying, yeah, you know, it's a single elimination. And, you know, he's blown away by that. And, and, you know, he's down in Texas and, you know, Texas, you know, that's where they kind of they they hold it over us because, I mean, you have two out of three championship series to decide a champion, uh, you know, and it's just kind of, it's nuts, right? That in California in particular in Southern California, where there's no, I mean, there's no question that, that this is some of the best baseball in the country. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a single elimination process. So it, it, I'd like to see some changes. Are they going to happen? I don't know. I, I mean, uh, you know, like you said, we can't make anything happen. Uh, but you know, it would be it would be fun to see a, a at the at the very least an open division for you know those top eight potentially top sixteen teams to kind of get in there and 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 see you know see what they got on a on a best two out of three. Yeah, I love that format, and you get a true state champion. I mean, it's you know very similar to what you know the NCAA does. You know, do the super regionals and doing um, doing series like that. I don't, I'm not saying that's the format to use, um, but you know, you you do truly get um, one state champion or one champion. So um, who knows? Something to be talked about. Something to be looked at for sure going yeah. forward. 
Yeah. And I think, I think what you can do is, is, you know, you can run it kind of like the, the college world series does right with their regionals. You, you run, uh, you know, a number of different regionals, you know, say up in, you know, you got the, the North coast up there where, where Blaine's at up in the Santa Rosa area where there's some really good teams, you know, obviously the San Jose area is pretty loaded. You know, you get Fresno involved, uh, you know, you get that Stockton Sacramento area involved where again, there's really good baseball. You get the central coast with, you know, Santa Barbara and San Luis Obispo where there's really good baseball. You know, you get the LA's involved, the orange County's involved, the San Diego's involved. And, you know, if you, if you did it that way, you know, it's something that you can do over a couple of weeks, uh, it, you know, without a whole lot of travel. And, and you know, you could even do it on uh, on three consecutive weekends there, you know, particularly since the season has moved up. So I think that slowly but surely we're getting there. You know, I know I've, I've, I've talked to, uh, you know, a representative from the CIF Southern Section office. And, you know, while I didn't get a whole lot of information on that, I did get the impression that there's these internal discussions about that. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe we're a few years away from that. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think the game, our game here in the state of California deserves something like that, given the quality of our game here in the state of California. So that's going to wrap it up here for Steve Doherty and myself here on the PBR California podcast. We thank you for listening. Uh, be sure to check out prepbaseballreport.com slash California for, you know, up-to-date news and content. Uh, you know, we'll be out to games, uh, weather permitting this week, and we'll be pumping out some news here on those games. We've got a lot of content coming out with our preseason preview still rolling out, uh, notes from recent events still rolling out. So be sure to check out prepbaseballreport.com slash California. Bookmark the page. We have a California scoreboard there that has over 150 teams on it so you can stay up to date on scores from across the state. So for Steve Doherty, I'm Les Lukacs. Thanks for listening. And until next time, we'll see you at the ball fields. (laughs) 